0: The Crucial Talks Podcast with your host, Mike Sedam. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Crucial Talks Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Sedam. If you could do me a quick favor, I would really appreciate it if you could rate the podcast and subscribe to it. It really helps us build this community of people that want to understand what drives them and others. And again, if you have any questions for me, if you want to reach out to me, if you just want to talk about something, please feel free to reach out to me by visiting www com or connect me through LinkedIn, Facebook, or Twitter. Now this podcast actually started after I gave a couple of safety presentations on risk and how the roles we play affect the risks we are willing to take. After that, I decided I really wanted another way to get information out there so that more people could understand what drives them and what drives others. Because of those presentations and because they kind of revolved around safety, I started to reach out to a lot of safety professionals on LinkedIn and I came across today's guest, Regina McMichael. Now, as a kid, I told myself if I ever had a chance, I definitely want to meet a real ninja. Well, my chance finally came around and my dream finally came true because Regina is known as the safety training ninja and she's written a book with the same name. She's also the president of the Learning Factory where her focus is on providing amazing safety training. And what I really love about Regina is the fact that she's coming from the right place. And because of that, she is really making a difference. She's coming from a place where she does want to protect people and inspire them. And that's why it's so great to welcome her to the Crucial Talks
1: podcast. How are you doing today, Regina? I am awesome and so glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me.
0: Well, and this is going to be great because you just came out with a new book. Is that correct? It is. And it just so happens that you named it after yourself, the Safety <laughs> Ninja, right?
1: So, so, no ego there. <laughs> no, so
0: it's, but really, it's, it's a great book, and it's called The Safety Training Ninja because it's really about how to get employees engaged, right? It's about how to create training and use techniques that really benefit people. Is that right?
1: It is. It is. It's, it's What's interesting is when I I started my training career, you know, literally three days on my first job out of college kind of thing and was handed a a carousel of slides dating myself there. And, And, you know, and they're like, go train. And I'm like, what? How? (laughs) And, and luckily I had some cool pictures and I had some people around me that, you know, I would like look at the screen, look at them and they would like help me through it. But you know, that's a story that's all too common in our industry. Hey, safety person with five minutes of experience or 50 years of experience, just go train, just go be awesome. Even though we haven't given you any other tools or any other ideas other than the knowledge of safety. And, and that's not good enough if we really want to protect our people, if we really want to change their behaviors and change their knowledge levels, the training has to be outstanding. It's got to be awesome. They've got to be excited to go, excited to learn, and then it's got to stay with them. And and right now, the industry is spread so thin, our, our resources are stretched so tight that, you know, folks who want to do a good job with training don't have the time to really dedicate to great training. And so I wrote the book to try to make it as simple as possible using an established uh, methodology called ADDIE uh, that's big in the learning world. And I said, you know, let me let me try to help people get better at what they're doing in the simplest possible manner while still having a really good time.
0: Well, and so we see this a lot that people are probably listening right now thinking you just wrote this book, but this book didn't just get written overnight and it didn't just get written because you did some research. It got written, I mean, you have like over 30 years of experience, right? I mean, how did you, what does your path traveled look like to get you to this place where not only are you doing keynotes, not only are you consulting, not only are you providing custom training, but you've come to this place where you can actually write an operational handbook, really. There's a book that people put into positions where they have to do training, have the knowledge base to do it. What did What did your path look like over 30 years to get to this spot?
1: It's been an interesting one. So I I kind of have a a, kind of a crazy, crazy introduction into the safety world. And that was my first husband was killed on a construction site when I was 20 years old. And I actually used the workers' compensation money to pay for my degree, got a degree in safety and started my, my pursuit of trying to you know, quite naively trying to save one life to replace the one that was lost. I uh, I was adrift for a lot of years because I didn't understand why he had to die to pay the rent. And so I thought, okay, I know what it's supposed to be. I have to go save a life. And that life will will be a trade off for the one that was lost. And that's what I'm supposed to do. But it turns out, that's actually really really hard to do and safety professionals who are listening they know that we can spend years and years and years and never truly know truly know that we have saved a life and so i was distracted by that for a lot of years and, and somewhere along the way, the universe, thankfully, pushed me in the right direction. I did uh, compliance work. Uh, I worked for trade associations. I actually helped write the, the regulation that um, went into effect that could have saved my husband's life many years later. So I, I had a, a, a background that that was very, you know, classic, typical uh, safety experience. But through the years, I was training and then I was training more. And then I started to, you know, take professional development development. and I had this most amazing mentor, Elaine Beek, who's written a bunch of books. And, uh, and through the process, I realized, I'm like, you know what? I can't be a safety superhero. I'm not going to be able to save that one life or at a minimum, I shouldn't make that my goal. And, and instead I thought, you know what, what if I could really reach a lot of people? What if I could reach 30 people at a time? And they went out and saved that life that would be okay with me. I wouldn't have to know that there was a direct relationship between something I did and a life that was saved. And, you know, and then it was 30 people, and then it was 300 people, and then it was 3,000. And, and now, after 30 years, I've taught tens of thousands of people Recently, I was uh, was teaching a class at the National Safety Council at the uh, annual expo, and I did an eight hour safety training ninja course. And we had some pretty big organizations in the room, and I just kind of said, "Hey, you know, let's uh, let's write down the number of people that the work you do in safety training impacts. How many people will be impacted by the changes that you could make today based on this course?" And the number was off the charts. It was over 1.5 million people impacted by those people in the room. And and I was in tears. Many of us were in tears, to be quite honest. And then one guy in the back, he goes, it's more than that because it's the families too. And then we all just lost it. <laughs> But it was, it was like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to connect with people and help them figure out a way so that they can connect better with their people. And, eat. you know, one little bit at a time, one little change in the behavior, you know, one step at a time, we can save more lives. And if I never find out about those people, you know, through the people that I've worked with over the years, that's okay with me because I know that statistically, darn it, it's gotta happen. And, and so I'm just kind of relying on that. But once I figured out that that I could connect with people and that both through my history, which um, the loss of my husband didn't really, I wasn't very public with it until the last five years when I started to speak about it through keynotes. Prior to that, most people didn't know my history. They just thought I was a safety person who liked to train a lot. And, and so this, this journey has has opened up these amazing opportunities to meet amazing people, connect with amazing companies, have amazing clients, and and be able to walk out of a room uh, where, you know, I've spoken with people and they come up and they go, I can do some of this stuff. This is doable. And I'm like, yeah, it it, it is. I'm, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to change everything in a day. You don't have to be a perfect trainer in a day. Just like start chipping away at the things that could possibly impact the, the, <laughs> I kind of laugh with people when I kick off a class, I say to them, I said, I said, you know, if we were to, if we were to survey the average worker in America, in the world, honestly, and I'm in, and, and, and we said finish this sentence, safety training, what? Fill in the blank. You know, Mike, what, what do you think most people would say if I asked them to fill in the blank of that sentence? Safety training.
0: Oh, they did, from what I've heard, they can go anywhere from boring to required to something we have to do. Oh, to you're being way the, too the nice. Stuff. Well, I'm trying, you know, it's a, it's a family oriented, <laughs> uh, unrestricted, episode and podcast so yeah no i've heard it all but really it really comes down to um the things i've heard about safety training is the same Mm -hmm. thing you hear about a lot of training even i mean there's required training in every organization in every industry so i think we both heard them all but really it comes down to boring i have to do it it's a waste of my time um all of the above
1: yeah, it, it it is. and and sadly, safety training has been become weaponized um you know someone someone has an accident or there's a near miss in a facility or whatever and then suddenly everyone's like what why do we have to go back and get ladder training uh well because we had an incident well but you know and and so we have this knee-jerk reaction and not everyone but but unfortunately enough uh people out there that you know you have a ladder accident and so they go well we obviously need to train everyone on ladders again when maybe a better investigation into the mishap might lead us to to different outputs Um, as a safety trainer, you'd think that I would say that safety training is the solution for everything, but it's not. And I don't want it to be used for something when it's not the solution. It shouldn't be used as a punishment. It shouldn't be used um, just to fulfill the checklist. I mean, sure, we've got to do those things. There's compliance and stuff like that. But the reality is, is that if we can make training awesome, and people want to go. And if we can connect other people in the room so that they mentor each other and that it's not just about whoever is forced to stand in front of the room and say, you will do this and you will do that. And so that's that's kind of what the book is about is what are all the things that we can do to make safety training great, so that when people are told, hey, we got this upcoming safety class, you know, next week, next month, whatever, you know, instead of the negative reaction, we could have that, oh, cool, you know, that's always a good class, I enjoy going to that, or, you know, it's always fun, or it goes by faster than I thought it would, you know, what, whatever minimum standard we want to try to achieve as we grow in the profession.
0: Well, and what I find interesting on the things that you've said, and I'm going to start kind of at the back and then work my way backwards to what you said, but it's cool what you said because you said that we want to connect other people in the room. You also said that at the National Safety Council, when you gave your course and you wrote down the number of people that each of those people impacts and then the families, it really comes down to your realization and the fact that you're trying to push this out to others that it is about connections because a lot of times you're right. Something bad happens and the fallback is, hey, they should have just cared more. Hey, they should have just been paying more attention. Hey, let's do something to make the organization feel good and the executives feel good. We'll just provide more training in that particular thing. When in reality, we're talking about a human-based system, a system with people in it. And what I love about the things that you do is that you're trying to help people build capacity so they can absorb things that happen instead of just giving people the the black and white, ABC, you have to do this, it's compliant focused and you're trying to force this stuff down people's throat. You're not, you're actually, you understand that three degrees of influence is true that it's the, the connections we have is what changes behavior. I love that so much about what you're doing. And I also love the fact that you you came out and you said in the beginning that you realized that you weren't going to be the safety hero. But I would almost say you are a safety hero because, you know, I did a I did an episode, a real short episode on this about being a hero. A lot of people think the hero is a person that saves somebody else in an active situation. But in reality, heroes are these things. They're uplifting. They improve the lives of others. They uphold values and they protect others. And this book that you've written And what you've done throughout your 30-year career, that is what is happening. So being a safety hero, everybody can be one in every organization. They don't have to be the active person that jumps in between danger and the individual. But by using some of these techniques in your book, they can do this stuff. They can be uplifting. They can improve lives. They can uphold values. They can protect others. So in this book that that you put out there, who is it written for? I mean, it's called the Safety Training Ninja, but who can actually gain values? Is it just safety,
1: folks? <laughs> Certainly, all of the examples are geared towards the safety industry, and the reason I did that is because you know there are books out there on 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 safety training, but there weren't any unique to following the ADDIE process, which stands for analyze, design, develop, implement, and evaluate. It's a five step process, been around for years, used by the military, used in an instructional design world. And so there wasn't um, something born out of an accepted practice. There was great ideas, there was shared information, there were experiences lots of good stuff, but, but nothing that said here is you do this, you follow this process, and then you come right back around. It's a circle and you just keep doing it round and round. And since so many uh, safety people respond to process, the Addy system will resonate with many of them. It certainly did with me when I, I first, uh, was, was opened up to it. It was, it was kind of amusing because I was doing a lot of things in the Addy process, but I didn't know there was a name for it. I didn't know that there was, you know, that I was practicing adult instructional theory. i I didn't know i was doing that i just knew that i did something and then everybody responded i'm like okay that worked i should do that again and so what it did is it put a framework around a lot of the the um anecdotal experience that i had and and suddenly you know i found out i'm like oh i'm doing it like a real way and not like because i created it because someone else did and somewhere along the line it kind of opened up in front of me. And that's when I started to take some more formalized education in it so that I could I could understand it better and more importantly, share it with others. Because it made so much sense to me, the process, the system, the checks, the balances, adult learning theory, you know, just so many different ideas that were important to me. So yes, it is geared towards the safety industry, safety and health, environmental, any of those folks can use it. But the thing is, is that anybody could find value from it. Just take the safety example out and put the example in of whatever your industry might be. But it was certainly created specifically for our industry because, you know, I I often say to people, if we want to be overly dramatic, and let's just say for the sake of discussion, let's be overly dramatic for a second. Bad safety training can kill people. Not just bore them to death, but literally kill people. If we do a bad job at training people, they will walk out of the room without the knowledge, without the capabilities, without the skills, without the behavioral changes, and then they could be put into a situation that could kill them. And, and if we look at it that way, then suddenly the 20 minutes that we put into whipping out a PowerPoint and throwing it up on the screen so we can check the box and say that we, we safety trained people, suddenly we can look back and go, wait a minute, I need to do better than that. And I can do better than that. And that's where I'm hoping the shift will occur in, in the industry is, is that people push back to their bosses, to their clients, to their to what I call the stakeholders, push back and say, you know what, I need more than an hour to put together great training That protects lives. I need real time in my budget. And so I even provide data about studies that have been conducted about how long it really takes to create great training, whether it be e-learning, face-to-face, you know, different complexity levels. There's data that's out there that most safety people don't know exists. So if you can take that information and then share that with your stakeholders and say, hey, good stuff takes time. And, and and so I need that time if you want me to really do great training. And so there's a lot of arguments in there to try to help uh, the safety professional explain to the folks that they're working with, you know, how you can use this and leverage this. You know, why we have to evaluate, why we have to go back in and arm our supervisors with the capabilities to evaluate the workers afterwards to make sure the training's stuck. You know, what what steps are we taking? What tools are we using? So, and I provide a lot of tips and tricks and a lot of how tos and a lot of, you know, I've done it this way. You know, I, I'm cranking up some learner videos on my YouTube channel specifically to put into play some of the tools that I talk about in the book. Uh, I'm actually making the tools available, you know, via safetytrainingninja.com. You know, you can go and download the Excel spreadsheet to help you calculate how much time uh, it'll take to deliver a program. And there's a video that explains how to do it, you know. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to create those tools, those practical things, even beyond the book, so that people can say all right i can i can do these things these are these are possible and 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 i think there's a ton of safety people out there that have the passion and the desire to do great training it's just that they need the tools and then they need the knowledge to help their bosses step off of the the time constraints and maybe some budget and and help them create some great stuff
0: well and it sounds to me because a lot of times people are thinking to themselves hey I'm a safety person, but a lot of these safety folks, they come from the line. They come with a really strong technical background, engineers, operators, technical folks. And a lot of them might be scared of really what you're talking about, which is – and I think this is one of the purposes of your book – is to engage learners, to engage people, to engage employees. So for these folks that are thinking to themselves, well, I get process, and I get that I can get some of this information – But I might be a little afraid of my personal ability to engage other people and to excite them and to get them get them engaged with the learning process. What do you have to say to those folks? Is there information like that in your book also on how to overcome some of those things?
1: Yeah, there's actually a chapter about getting other people involved, and it's from accessing subject matter experts uh, to to utilizing experts within your organization, um, maybe not like on the technical side, but for, from the workers. You know, this guy's an expert because he uses this machine every day. This guy's an expert because he's an engineer and he's developing the software to make the machine work. You know, those two people are incredibly valuable to developing the best possible training by the safety staff person person. And you know, a lot of people come up and they're like Regina I can't I can't teach like you. I can't be you. Don't be like me. Be you. Be the best you can be. And if you're if you're told you have to do the safety training and you're not loving being the person up there figure out who else you can leverage is there an informal leader in the workforce that you can leverage and and have them co-teach with you you know look at the different power structures and the different um, influencing structures that exist within the organization that you're working in and find out how you can leverage those you know i've i've been in situations where you know i go to a supervisor in advance and i say hey i need your help making sure this is an awesome course and then they become a part of making it awesome and then also a part of making sure the delivery is awesome. You know, there's been times where I've 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 been hired by companies to to actually take their their subject matter experts who really really know their stuff. But I came in as more of a I joke you know as a game show host. I'm the one that threaded it all together. So I was the I was the glue that kept all the subject matter experts on track and interesting and focused. And so we've got to leverage all of our different skills. So if you're a great speaker but you're not technically really smart. Find the technical guy to be by your side. You know, if you're if you're super uh, technical, but you tend to lecture too much, you know, look around in your organization or in the organizations that you work with through professional trade associations, whatever, look around and say, you know, so-and-so really knows how to captivate an audience. You know, what could I pick up? What could I do that they do? How do they connect with people? And the book is filled with lots of ways to connect. But certainly one of the best things to do is just look around at the resources around you? You know, do you have a learning? Are you a big enough company that has a learning department? If you do, can they help you? You know, is there someone in the HR group that can help you? Is there someone who just loves to talk and loves to be Can you leverage them in any way? Look around at your resources available and see who you can leverage, both information wise, technical capabilities, but also just someone who enjoys interacting with people. You know, there's times I I teach a really big course and I have to have people in the room just to help run the activities because I can't get to every table and work through every activity. So I make sure I leverage other folks who I know are going to be involved. And I set that all up in advance so that it works well. But there's there's tons of ways. The number one thing is just to open your mind that lecturing with tons of words on the PowerPoint screen doesn't resonate with most learners. And it isn't going to get you a change in behavior or a change in a skill set if we're reading from jam-packed slides full of words. And even people who do that, because people come up to me and they're like, I do that and I hate it when people do it. I'm like, but you're doing it. And they're like, yeah, I don't know what else to do. And I'm like, well, it's good you're here then. And so <laughs> so there's there's, you know, e- even the people who do it know that they don't think it's awesome, but they don't know that there's other alternatives. And so the book is filled with alternatives, again, within the Addy system that says, you know, this is how we know adults learn. This is the way people can absorb the information and it'll stick longer in their heads. You know, these are things that you can do to engage people in the class. There's even tips and tricks on how to deal with difficult learners, people who don't want to be there and who are you you know, throwing out a negative attitude and it's ruining the rest of the class. So there's the full gamut of experiences that I've had in the last 30 years all kind of put in there to try to help people as much as possible. And and I should also say that even though this is based on a process and a methodology, this is an easy read. This was designed specifically to help anyone who wanted to learn something about being a better safety trainer. So it is not, even though it is frameworked uh, in an industry uh, accepted practice and, and methodology. It is not a technical safety book. Uh, it, if you've ever seen me, uh, if you've ever seen me speak, if you've ever heard me, you know, talk, if after this podcast, you pick up the book, you're going to hear my voice the whole time. It is Regina talking because that's how I wanted it to be. I thought, you know, if the best way I can train is to be me, then the best way I can write a book is to be me.
0: Well, I love everything you said, really because of the fact that, I mean, you have a whole chapter on getting people involved and being self-aware to figure out what your strengths are and to use those strengths, but also to where you might need help. And I love the fact that you give tips on really delegating for shortcomings, delegating for weaknesses, because I think a lot of times those of us in management, in safety, in whatever realm we're in they have, we have a hard time recognizing that. And we tend to bring people on or hire people that kind of think like we think. And I love what you're saying because it's almost like you're putting on a different lens. You're like, look, hire or delegate for your weaknesses, pick somebody and bring somebody in that has the strengths where you might need help, but be self-aware enough to realize that, that you don't have to put all of it on your own, on your own shoulders, right? Pick the right people and for the right reasons, and you're going to have a stronger training program because of it.
1: Absolutely. You know, I haven't, you know, for example, I've been out of the technical side, the super techie side of safety for, for several years. And so, you know, I, I started my career. I was doing confined space training, excavation training. You know, I was doing all that kind of stuff. But if someone said today, Regina, can you come in and do confined space training? I would say I can come in and do confined space training and make it the most awesome interactive training that, that, that can be achieved, but I'm going to need some of your tech people because I'm not, you know, when, you know, it's all great. I can write a great activity. We can do some awesome interaction. We can practice some skills. You know, I can design all of that stuff to be great, but I'm not going to have the skill set anymore to be able to whip out some of the specifics associated with confined space entry. So if someone wanted to bring me in to do that, I would say only if I can leverage your expert's on the technical policy, procedure, and law that's relevant to this training. So, you know, even if someone hired me to do that, I would still leverage someone else because my expertise doesn't lie in that area anymore. And that's what's so critical is, yeah, you cherry pick who can help you be awesome so that everybody gets what we need them to have at the end of the training program.
0: You're talking about these training programs and getting people involved in the training and developing training that's engaging so you get the right information out there so that you bridge knowledge gaps so that you're able to provide this high level of, of engaging material so you actually have an impact on people's behaviors. So these tips that you have, I mean, it sounds like, because a lot of the safety professionals have their day-to-day safety job that's not just focused on training, but to me, it really does sound like these tips and techniques and things that are actually in your book, they might not only apply just to the training itself, but maybe even in their day to day one on one interactions they have with field personnel and supervisors and managers. It seems like training, or seems like safety trainers and safety uh, managers and safety personnel, they can get more from this book than just just the training part. I mean, it really does sound like it because really what we're doing, we're having one-on-one conversations a lot of times is we're having one-on-one training. We just don't frame it like that. So it sounds like there's more benefit to this book than just providing, you know, a big training for people.
1: You know that's absolutely right. It's about connecting with people. It's about you know there's sections about you know oh you've you've worked with the same team for years and you you know you know you're gonna have trouble with so and so because you know you and he have a history and now the classes you know people will ask me they're like you know what about the the guy who's always a problem in the classroom and he's in every one of my classes and and the response is you need to get over yourself I'm like leave your baggage at the door. Try to help that guy be better. And even though, you know, he's driven you crazy in the past, it's time it's time for a fresh look. And and they were just like, oh, yeah, you know, and and, but leaving your baggage at the door, getting over yourself, you know, being part of a, a better picture for safety. Those are things that apply to every aspect of the work that we do. Um, it, it's funny because you you talked about, you know, the, the, what more the book can do than just for training. Uh, shortly after the book was published, uh, a, a close colleague of mine reached out to me and he said, he said, I'm, I'm doing a very serious mishap investigation. He's like, uh, and you know, it looks like training is going to be the answer in, in some of the recommended actions. He's like, but you know, where do we, where do we know when it is training and when it's not training? You know, and I chuckled, I'm like, wow, it's, it's like I paid you for that question because yes, there's a section in the book that literally says, you know, we need to evaluate all these different types of environmental factors, managerial factors, all these different things before we determine if training is the solution for a mishap, a a mishap that has occurred. And it was, it was interesting because, you know, he said to me, he, he's like, wow, he goes, your book just helped with a mishap investigation. And I'm like, wow, I didn't think of it as that before but yeah it is it it's, it gives people tools so you can go through and say okay if i look at all these things if I train them again, it won't help them because these other things are impacting their ability to be safe on the job. So it doesn't matter how many times I train them, they're not going to improve their behavior because something else is in their way. Environmental management, you know, uh, previous skill set capabilities, you know, whatever it could be. And all of those things are in a section in the book. And I was like, wow, that was a bonus. I didn't really think about that, but I'm, I'm thrilled to know that it's helping.
0: Well, and that's what we're really talking about is the fact that we're dealing with people. We're dealing with a people-based system. We're dealing with how to engage with those people. And that's why I really love your book and all the other stuff you do from the keynotes to the consulting, all of that stuff, because it's really focused on how do you get behavior out of people? How do you get people to change their mindset, change their framework to make decisions? And so we're talking about that. We're talking about how to get people engaged and how to, how to really impact them. Are there any tips you can give us for anybody listening right now for myself, uh, you know, about being self-interested, what tips can you give us maybe one or two that we might be able to take with us today, leaving this podcast, walking out the office door, getting done with our commute, something we can start right away to, to maybe start down that path of, of self-awareness of realizing where, where our strengths are, what would be the
1: next step to take? Look in the mirror. (laughs) (laughs) it's 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 and and it's only because I've had to do it so many times in my career and in my life uh, through through the journey uh, of my life you know we have to look in the mirror when we're frustrated because you know someone won't do what we ask when it comes to a, a safe behavior when we're frustrated because the safety training class was unsuccessful when we're frustrated because the executives won't give us a budget for safety we have to stop and look at ourselves first Because one, we could be part of the problem, maybe you're not but maybe you are. And so the first thing to do is we have to look at ourselves and say, what are we bringing to the table or not bringing to the table that's keeping us from being successful? You know, do you have some old baggage you need to get rid of? Are you not bringing the information the executives need in order for them to make the decision that you want? You know, are you are you treating safety training as, as the, you know, the, the, the secondhand uh, option only when you have time to do it as opposed to making it a priority so that the class is really amazing amazing for the learners. You know, what are you doing yourself to be the best safety professional to be the best professional you can be? And I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying that you get to look in the mirror and say, "Okay, I'm going to improve myself and then poof, everything gets better." You know, it's a journey that we have to do every day. You know, after I teach a class, I have to evaluate if I've done everything that I can or could have done everything I can for for that class. You know, if I'm consulting with a company, have I done everything possible to help influence those workers so that they can be the leaders that they ask me to come in and coach? You know, I, I taught a class for a bunch of uh, scientists and and chemical engineers recently, not about safety at all, but about communications. And you know, when it was done, I had to say, okay, what am I what have I done? how do I need to look in the mirror about the work that I was doing? And, and even beforehand, what was I doing to make sure that I could do the best job for them? And it's 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 about being authentic to yourself, but also having some humility, you know, accepting that we're not perfect, accepting when you get a less than perfect review on your training, or you've got a know when you asked for a budget, you know, you look at it, you take, you know, you put it in the right place uh, mentally, and then you take that opportunity to learn from the lesson. But, you know, you can't change other people, you can only change yourself and how you respond and react to people around you. So when I work on on leadership with people, or when I work on uh, influencing skills, it's like, if we don't have a firm grip of who we are, and and what weaknesses and strengths we've got, then there's no way we're going to be able to influence the people around us. Because we we're not looking at ourselves in a in an honest mirror. And so it's tough. It's 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 so not fun. It's so not fun. <laughs> it's like watch. It's like watching yourself teach for the first time on video. You're like, Oh, my gosh, this is really not good to look at. But you know, you'll be better because of it. And I've had enough resets in my life. And challenges in my life and in my career, uh, from even starting at a young age that I was constantly kind of forced to look back in that mirror and go, okay, what part of this do I own? And sometimes I owned a whole lot more than I wanted to admit, but once I acknowledged it and then tried to grow from it, it became, uh, it became a lot less uh, burdensome to bear.
0: Well, I think it's a lot of good tips. I mean, the fact that we have to be self-aware first, I love that because it really does come down to this This really this notion of of what you said, of humility and understanding that nobody is perfect. That we might strive for protection, but we really have to realize that perfection is based on perception a lot of times. And that getting perfect, it just isn't going to happen. People are going to make mistakes. I mean, we're we're in the safety industry. We know 100% people will make mistakes. It's going to happen. It just will. So I love what you said that we need to look at ourselves. We need to realize what we're bringing to the table. We need to be self-aware. We have to be humble about those things. And I really like what you said about the fact that you can't really change other people. That you have to look within because it really it really does come down to what can you control? What what do you truly have control over? I love that because it makes us it makes us be real. It makes us realize that. We cannot control everything. So why would we focus on those things we can't control, we should focus on the things we can. And it seems like your book and, and everything you do helps us kind of get down that road, helps us figure out what we can and can't control and some good tactics and techniques to really have control over what we what we do.
1: Yes, in ourselves. I mean, it it comes down to we've got to know ourselves and we've got to accept uh, advisement from others. Um, Maybe they're not doing the greatest job giving it to you, but that doesn't mean you can't hear their words. And uh, and, you know, I laugh when I teach leadership and things like that. You know, I give examples. Uh, A lot of my examples are my own experiences. You know, hey, I was having trouble on this team and, you know, the vice president didn't like me and it was going really bad. And, you know, and, and it was like, Hey, Regina, if you want to succeed here, you're gonna have to humble yourself because you're gonna lose this battle because they're a vice president and you're not. And and so those are good, those are good moments instead of being angry about them or holding it against everyone around you. Instead say, Okay, you know, what do I need to change about me to be successful? Because it's about the end game. It's about where we're going in the profession and what we're trying to do. And so today's battle you know may prove to be very small in the grander things of of trying to to protect the people around us and to become a better safety professional in the long run.
0: Well and so I know that we've covered a lot of stuff. We've covered stuff from the individual level to teams to organizational considerations to system considerations. So I know as we as we're wrapping up this episode, people will have more questions for you. They're going to want to get the book. They want to they want to reach out to you what kind of services do you offer where can they contact you and how do they get the book
1: well they can get the book through the american society of safety professionals uh, if you're a member you have a 20 percent discount uh, or you can go to amazon and just uh put in Regina McMichael or Safety Training Ninja. Both of those will work. Um, I've got uh, I've got three different websites. I know that sounds crazy, uh, but I do uh, inspirational and motivational keynoting. So ReginaMcMichael.com, that's the uh, website for that. Then uh, one of the things I do is I work with a lot of organizations around the world and I do customized training development. So when they say we have a specific problem, a specific need, you know, I come in and work with their teams to develop the exact training to solve their problem. Uh, so that's kind of under the auspices of, of the corporation, the learning factory. And then uh, I, I recently got safetytrainingninja.com up on the web, just because I know there's going to be questions from the book. And there's a lot of resources that I talk about in the book that I want to be able to share that, you know, you can't just click on a book and find the link. So uh, safety training, ninja.com, although only like five days old, um, has already got some information in there and I'll continue to add learner videos on how to use PowerPoint or different skills that are out there from e-learning and that type of thing. But so, so I, I my, 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 Corporate one minute elevator speech is very confusing because I I offer so many different things. Um, But uh, but inspirational keynote, uh, a really big one, workshops, things like that at conferences and then uh, specialized training, uh, design and development uh, for to solve problems. And I do that both face to face live. And then I also develop e-learning for organizations as well.
0: Well, I'll definitely put a link to all of those in the show notes. So reginamichael.com, thelearningfactory.me, safetytrainingninja.com, the link to the book both for AS- ASSP and Amazon will all be on there. Regina, thank you so much for being part of this podcast and, and really coming on to give us some information that I think, uh, again, there's only a personal belief, that I think can actually impact people not only in the safety industry, but really across the board because it's all about human behavior, all about interacting with people and the relationships we have. So thank you so much for being part of this episode.
1: Absolutely. I appreciate
0: being here. Great. Well, we'll definitely talk again. And for everybody listening, if you enjoyed this episode with Regina, please, please, please subscribe to the podcast rate it, review it, share it with your friends and co-workers. There's a lot of valuable information. I talk to a lot of experts just like Regina that are out there for the right reasons, and that's to help other people. So if you have a chance, please visit me at www.crucialtalks.com. You can connect with me via email, LinkedIn, Facebook, or Twitter. You can ask me any questions. I'm here for you. I'll provide you the information you need. I really appreciate everybody listening. Have a great week. And remember, if we want to understand behavior, we need to understand what drives people. Please
1: review, share, and
0: subscribe to the Crucial Talks podcast. Visit CrucialTalks.com.